Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today we've got a great story of revenge against a Microsoft employee. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, don't destroy my sandcastle and you won't break your toe. It's that simple. I'm at a proper beach for the first time in decades, and the story just came up in conversation. I totally forgot about it until today, and thrilled there's a sub to share it with. I grew up in California, but not close enough to the beach to go there often, so it was a major treat for my brother and me. One summer when I was about 8, which would have made my brother about 6 or 7, we were having a blast building sandcastles with our little plastic pails and shovels. We had found a spot with just the right amount of moisture in the sand for maximum structural integrity. It had towers and a moat and everything. We were about to call our mom over to look at it when this bigger kid, my age or a bit older, did a running jump into the middle of the castle. And he didn't stop there. He kept jumping around and kicking until it was totally leveled, laughing the whole time. I knew when it was pointless to object. So I sat there silently while my little brother cried until the kid finished his destruction and ran off. I hugged my brother and said we'd build another one. He said tearfully, but he'll just kick it down again. I looked around for a moment and saw a large flat rock jutting up through the sand about a foot high in my memory and seemingly sunk very deep. I told him not to worry and immediately got to work coating the rock in a layer of wet sand. I don't know if my brother understood, but we started rebuilding our masterpiece. We didn't get very far before we saw the big kid coming and moved out of his way. He did an elaborate spin kick right into the rock and collapsed instantly with a scream grabbing his foot. I don't remember him saying anything to us, but he just dragged himself up and limped away crying. Little brother and I repaired the damage to our castle and continued building happily. My memory is hazy after this, but I feel like I saw a woman, who I assumed was the big kid's mother, arguing with my mom. Somehow I knew I wouldn't be in trouble, so I didn't worry about it, and she never even brought it up with us. I got my sense of poetic retribution from her. Finn, if you're building a sandcastle from scratch, is it fair game to build it with some internal reinforcements like this, knowing that somebody who attacks it is going to suffer, or is that a little overkill? Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, friend tried to screw me over, I reverse Uno card her. This happened when I was in secondary school at about the age of 16. I had been friends with Lisa, not a real name, for just over a year. We spent a lot of time together, we went to the school disco together, spent time at each other's houses, and I thought we were good friends. She always hung out with my friends, but no one actually liked her. I knew that, and I always knew that they were only nice to her because she was friends with me. Lisa did not know this. After a year of being friends, she was moved to my tutor group. In my school, every school year was split into six tutor groups. She had no friends in her tutor group, and no one liked her, so she requested to be moved to mine, and she was allowed. She always sat with me and my friends, and I thought things were going well. 
One thing I haven't told you yet, Lisa was physically disabled, she used crutches to walk, and the school was very proud to cater to disabled children, so they always allowed Lisa to get away with a lot. Anyway, so one evening, I'm at my home computer and Lisa pops up on MSN. For those who don't know what MSN is, it's an old messaging app that was very popular in the 2000s. I said hi and asked how she was, and out of the blue she turned nasty. The conversation goes as follows. Lisa says, Allison, not my real name, you're such a witch. I say, why am I a witch? She says, think, cause you are. She then started calling me really horrible names and started saying horrible things. I was shocked. I said, have I done something to upset you? If I have, then I apologize. She says, no, I just don't want to be friends with you anymore. I don't need you anymore. I never wanted to be friends with you. No one actually likes you. Everyone hates you. I said, okay, Lisa, I'm going to give you one chance to apologize. She told me to screw off, so I blocked her but not before I screenshotted our entire conversation. I had a sense I would need these later, but I'm the most petty person ever, so I was going to destroy her. She only moved to my tutor group because she had no friends in her old tutor group, so now I was going to make sure she had no friends in my tutor group either. So the next day I went to school, made sure I got there early and showed all of my friends the screenshots that I printed off. I then showed everyone in my tutor group as well. Lisa was always the last to arrive at class, so I waited. I sat with my friends and smiled when she walked through the door. She ignored me as she approached our table. My friends told her they didn't want to be friends with her anymore and told her to go away, and she couldn't sit with us. I watched with the biggest smile as everyone else in my tutor group did the same thing. In the end, she sat alone in the furthest corner of the classroom. Every class I attended, I showed everyone the screenshots and watched as Lisa was forced to sit by herself. She kept glaring at me. All I did was smile and wave. Lunchtime came. By now, everyone in my half of the year had learnt about the screenshots, either through word of mouth or I'd shown them the paper. I walked into the canteen and saw Lisa approach multiple tables and was told to go away. She once again had to sit alone. I purposely walked past her and flashed her a grin. The next day, after my first two lessons, I was called into the principal's office. I wasn't surprised to find Lisa there with one of the teachers slash helpers that supports the disabled children in the school. I was told to sit down and I asked what this was about. The conversation goes as follows. Allison, Lisa has come to me with some disturbing allegations. She says you've been bullying her and thanks to you, she now has no friends. If this is true, you could face being expelled. We don't tolerate bullying of disabled children, the headmaster said to me. I was a good kid at school, never had detention, never got in trouble, had good grades. In short, I was a keener, but I wasn't scared. I turned and saw Lisa smile at me. She thought she had won. I smiled back and her expression quickly changed from smug to worry. Well, actually, headmaster, this all started two days ago. Lisa sent me some horrible messages on MSN and she said she didn't want to be friends anymore. I asked for an apology. She refused. All I did was screenshot the horrible messages she sent me and showed them all to my friends because I was so upset. I did try my best to sound as if I was about to cry. My friends then decided they didn't want to be friends with Lisa because why would they want to be friends with someone who sends such horrible messages? 
As I said this, I pulled out the screenshots from my bag and placed them on his desk. Oh, and this is her email if you want to check it's actually her. I pointed to the top of the paper. I then looked at Lisa and smiled. All of the color had drained from her face and she no longer looked smug. The headmaster and the other teacher both looked at me and then looked at Lisa before they both read the screenshots. The headmaster looked up at me. You may go, Allison. I said, thank you. Bye, Lisa. I waved, smiled, and left the office, leaving the screenshots in the office. From what I heard, Lisa had detention after that. We never spoke again, and she spent the rest of the school year alone, no friends, and miserable. I reveled watching her suffer, and I'm not afraid to admit, it brought me great pleasure to bring her down. There has to be nothing more embarrassing than having to show up to the principal's office while your MSN message receipts are being blatantly shared. What a time the mid-2000s were. Our next story is a Kevin's wrong number revenge. It was November in the early 90s, and my partner and I started getting phone calls asking if we had the newly released video game console. We would just say that they had a wrong number and hang up. It started with one every few days, then ramped up to multiple times a day. Then we were like, what the freak? So we look in the phone book, yep, way before Google, and saw that our phone number was similar to a new chain store that also sold video game consoles. The only difference was that our phone number had a 1 and theirs had 7, but the way the phone book was, the serif, the little hook at the edge of the digit or letter, made the numbers look similar. The number was already printed in the phone book, so we thought we had no recourse. We didn't want to be rude to these people who made an honest mistake, so when someone would call asking about the console, we just let them know that they had a wrong number and gave the person the correct number to call. At this point, Everyone had been politely disappointed when they called us, but we gave the correct number, so we never heard from that person again. Cue to the Kevin, male version of a Karen, calling. Again, we answered politely saying it's a wrong number and gave the Kevin the correct number, so we hung up. Then that same Kevin called back a second time. We once again politely said that it was a wrong number, but this time it quickly prompted a toddler screaming outburst. He said that we were holding back information and that it would be our fault that Christmas was ruined for his kids. We just hung up on him, but that made us mad. We finally had enough, so we plotted our revenge. The next person that called, we said, Yes, sorry, it is this store. We have those consoles available. If you come right now, you'll get $50 off. We did this over two or three days, then those phone calls stopped. Heh. <laughs> Honestly, from multiple stories of hearing similar situations, I think that's how you have to deal with it if they're not smart enough to handle this incorrect phone number issue. It also never made much sense to me. Why would a business drag their feet so hard on updating their actual number? This next story is, Boomer doesn't understand tech. This happened about 10 years ago. There was a Karen that had been with the company for nearly 15 years. Her title was project manager, but she was really more of an office admin, and various internal projects would get pushed to her. These were things to help improve how the office worked, but nothing critical. One of these projects was actually deemed to be important and it was reassigned to me. She hated this and stonewalled me all the time. It caused the project to be delayed, and I was getting crap from some of the executives because of this. 
When I commented that it was difficult to get information from Karen, she became super sweet and said she was bending over backwards to help me. I didn't understand the project, etc. I powered through anyway. But then there was a round of layoffs and she was one of them. Due to her time with the company, she received a three-month severance and extended benefits. It was weird, but the company essentially cut monthly severance checks instead of paying them out all at once. But she also had to sign an NDA and a non-disparagement agreement on the exit, as well as confirm that she had handed over all company materials and files. I went to go grab some files related to the project, and everything was gone. Karen had deleted everything. This was before using things like Teams, Google Drive, etc. Everything was on a shared network drive, so it wasn't super easy to get the backup. But Boomer Karen was the type that used her work email for all of her personal accounts, including LinkedIn. It was also company policy that the emails of departed employees would be forwarded to their department heads for a few months. Using this knowledge, I went to LinkedIn and sent a message. Hi Karen, I heard about your departure. I hope you can use the time to take the vacation you talked about. I went to grab some of the files, but noticed they were missing. Do you have backups you could share? When she responded, it also went to her old email, and thus to the department head. Don't pretend to be nice. I wouldn't be surprised if you helped me get fired. Good luck finding any of those files. I deleted everything. Screw you. Well, when that got forwarded to HR that she had put in writing, that she had deleted everything, it was determined that this violated the severance agreement. All severance checks were immediately stopped. Oh, so sorry, Boomer. Our next story is, terrible manager can't find the smell after trying to steal $4,000 from me. I worked at a national restaurant chain with a GM that was a turd. He consistently lied about everything, lied about bonuses, lied about benefits, etc. All the freaking time. I quit after he told me that I owe the company over $4,000 in insurance premiums. The offer for management was 0% employee contribution. But we got to the middle of the year and the budget was not looking good. We were losing employees and customers at an alarming rate, but the GM would not change food order quantities because we need to be ready when we bounce back and food costs went through the roof. I came to work and he said, I have bad news. We looked at benefits and insurance and will no longer be company funded as of Jan 1st. I said Jan 1st next year? They said no this year. Okay, well, then I'll cancel it and just stay on my wife's insurance. I only took it because it was free to me and would help with co-pays and coverage gaps. They say that's fine, but we'll still be collecting the past due premiums to the start of this year. I say, you can't do that. Actually, we can. Freaking smirk. I left for the day, seethed in violent anger, and went to the grocery store on my way back in. Cue revenge. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. We had a weird desk drawer that didn't go all the way to the back of the desk. It was a modified countertop, and the drawers were not the full depth of the counter. One drawer had a file cabinet under it. I bought a can of sardines and mustard sauce, took off the lid, and snuck it onto the file cabinet behind the drawer. Then I handed in my keys and quit on the spot with a warning that if he tried to garnish my last paycheck, it will mean trouble for you jerks. Beware. That was 2002. Last week, I was at a bar, and the manager was a former co-worker from Crap Hole Restaurant, Inc. She said that after several days, the smell was so bad that the managers had to start doing their work at a booth because no one could stand to be in there. Ultimately, they had decided a rat died in the wall and brought in remediation experts to start tearing open walls. After just a few minutes, they came out with the nastiest, oldest, grossest wad of biomass and said, here's your problem. The file cabinet had to be replaced as it was wooden and the stink juice had soaked into it. She asked if I remembered that smell that started just before I quit, but I had no memory of it. Screw that guy. Now, I'm no legal expert, but I'm assuming it wasn't legal for them to try to do what they were trying to do. I think it only further proves it by the fact that they didn't challenge it when OP quit. This next story is, spam calls are her problem now. I've had my current cell number for about four years now. The entire time I've had it, I would receive one to three phone calls and or text messages a day asking for a woman named, let's just say Cheyenne. They always ask the same question, is your property at so-and-so still available for sale? I kindly inform the caller that this individual no longer has this number and to have a nice day. Here we are four years into this. Why don't I just change my number? Because my child has this number committed to memory and at such a young age, it's important for her to know how to call mommy in an emergency since she's too young for a phone or may not have access to it when she's older. After all of these years, I'm curious to know what this property looks like, so I Google it. Nothing fancy, just a rundown shack of a house. Her name and my phone number are on the listing. I then ask myself, how many people have had my number? This phone and number were passed to me by my ex-brother-in-law when I urgently needed a working phone. I've since gotten a new phone but kept the number for the reason given above. I search my number and the first result is the name of the woman that all the phone calls and text messages are asking for. I select it and it pulls up her public profile, along with every registered phone number and address she's had. I see her most recent phone number, I call it. She answers and I explain that she has quite a few callers trying to reach me at my number to buy a house from her. She said she already sold the house. I asked her if it was possible to pull the listing down or at least change the contact information for it. She asks me to repeat my number, and she says that she's never had that number before, so she can't help me. I tell her that her public profile states that she had it in 2007, and it's on the listing. The woman tells me that it's not her problem, and abruptly hangs up. The very next caller that rang my phone received an apology for the confusion, along with her current phone number for them to contact her directly. I haven't received a call or text since. I win. 
I mean, you really have nothing to lose, and obviously this lady doesn't care too much regardless, I don't think. Our next story is, yellow flashers do not make you an emergency vehicle. I was leaving work yesterday. I pulled out of our parking lot and made it about 200 yards down the road when a pickup truck zoomed up behind me with flashing lights. My first impulse was to pull over and let him pass when I realized those are yellow construction zone lights. The yellow lights are intended for use when workers are working near a road or other area that requires caution and your attention. They are not intended for driving in traffic. He got right up on my back bumper, goosing me. We made a right turn at a light. I noticed the logo of a private company on the side of his truck. He wasn't even Department of Transportation. Then it dawned on me, it's after 5 o'clock, and this jerk is using those lights because he's in a hurry to get home and trying to intimidate people into moving out of his way. Nope, not today. The closer he got, the slower I drove. When he was inches away from my rear bumper, I pulled out my phone and pretended to film him. When he noticed, he backed way off and turned into a side road. A few seconds later, I saw him pull back out onto the road, this time without the yellow flashers. Depending on where this is, if they have a front license plate, it honestly might be worth leaving a non-emergency complaint. I mean, they probably won't do anything with it, but you never know, maybe this guy could have a record of calls. Our next story is, drive like an idiot? Let me call my sister. In our state, it's the law to be hands-free. No devices while driving. I usually ignore my phone when I'm driving. No one usually bothers me anyway. I don't care if people use their phones. Not my problem, unless they're driving crazy. But on my way home one day, I was following a large pickup truck, F-350, something like that, with a driver who was holding his phone in his hand for all the world to see, talking to someone and driving erratically. Speed up, slow down. 50 mile per hour zone and one minute he's doing 40 and the next 60, sometimes in the breakdown lane, sometimes hitting the rumble strip in the middle. He was making me crazy. I had to back way off because I was scared he was going to cause a crash. Then I realized that he's in a truck with a familiar logo. The small company my sister is an executive of. Second in command, she's literally in charge of everything except getting new clients. Kind of a VP, accountant, scheduler, office manager, and everything in between all rolled into one. So I took a pic of the license plate at a long red light. I know I may be a hypocrite for this, but it was a quick picture and I was totally stopped in traffic and texted her what happened when I got home. She immediately knew who it was because they don't have too many trucks like that. The license plate was a dead giveaway, as it was a vanity plate, and I got a short, I'll deal with this text. My sister is a very no-nonsense, don't-screw-around kind of person about her work. She was furious because it could have gotten the company in trouble if something happened. He was on the clock. So she pulled his phone records, his timesheets, and tracked the GPS they have for the truck. Not only was he texting and calling his girlfriend, he was doing it on a company phone in the company truck on company time. He got his butt chewed by the owner and was no longer allowed to take the truck, as well as being on months probation. I don't think he knows to this day who ratted him out. Honestly, just for increasing the safety of those around OP driving and also saving the company a little bit, thank you to OP. This next story is, tootin' my cube? Faint fart never won fair maiden. I worked with a guy, Carl, who was a nice guy but he could be a total Neanderthal at times. 
He would walk into his friend's cubicles when they weren't there, slip out a fart, and quickly leave. He had some digestive issues, and it would sometimes reek for quite a while. We had a new hire from college assigned to our department, and she was a very attractive woman, drop-dead gorgeous. She came into my cubicle to drop off something that I'd sent to the printer while I was letting the cube fumigate, and as I walked back in, I said, That wasn't me. It happened again, and this time she responded to my denial. She laughed and told me her brothers always blamed the dog for that exact same thing, but it was okay, she was used to being around guys. Given that she didn't really believe me, I felt it necessary to tell her who was responsible, and her voice grew very quiet as she informed me that Carl had asked her out for a drink after work. She really wasn't interested, and he had asked her out again, twice in fact, and she'd been getting a bit irritated that he wouldn't take no for an answer. A few days later, she saw him entering my cube and quietly followed him, standing in the doorway about two feet behind him while he farted quite loudly. He was giggling as he turned around to leave, but then stopped abruptly when he realized he had basically farted in her general direction. To use a Monty Python term, she confessed to me later that that day she was waiting to catch him in the act, hoping that it would stop him from pursuing her. When he turned around, she said she just shook her head and walked away without saying a word. I told a few people and word spread quickly. He never asked her out again. Yeah, if you go around having the reputation of cubicle farter, probably not going to be pulling too many dates from that group of people. This next story is getting a call from a Microsoft employee. I can't count how many times I've received bogus calls from fake Microsoft employees. So this guy calls me and I'm sitting on my couch scrolling away on my Mac. I'm very friendly to oblige him. He tells me to sit in my PC and open the computer. I tell him to hold on, put my phone on speaker and hold him for two minutes. I am at my PC now, what do I do? He tells me to open windows. I ask him to hold. A few minutes later I tell him, the ones downstairs are all open, and asks me if he wants me to open the windows on the other floors too. I know how to waste someone's time too, and the time he calls me, he can't talk to a believing victim. This is the kind of thing that if you have any elderly relatives or people you know that might fall prey to these kinds of things. Every now and then you kind of run them through a practice scenario just so they know what to look out for. I mean, let's be real, almost never is there a situation where a Microsoft employee is just going to call you. Somebody from Microsoft, or even worse, somebody saying they're from Windows, they're not going to call you. They already just do like crowdsourcing for their support pages. If you ever go to a Microsoft support page for some issue, all you'll find are random people just pasting Googled answers that you can try but probably won't work. This next story is petty revenge against corporate finance department. So I work as a project manager for a small social business. We assist vulnerable people to obtain items they need. There's a large organization and we use one of their small trading arms to purchase and deliver items to the vulnerable people we work with. We receive invoices from their large corporate finance department for payment. As project manager, part of my role includes checking all of these invoices, making sure they match the order we sent out and setting up the schedule so that our finance officer can make the payments. You can guarantee in a batch of invoices there will be multiple mistakes and I have to send them back to be corrected. I keep meticulous notes. I know what has been paid, what hasn't, and why. 
This week, I received an email with a zip file attached with 80 invoices inside and a rather abrupt email stating, These invoices have not been paid. Make payment within seven days and forward remittance to avoid further action. Well, that pissed me off for starters. There was absolutely no way we had not paid 80 invoices. So, doing my due diligence, I checked every single one just to be sure we hadn't missed any of them. It took me all afternoon, which pissed me off more because I had other work to do. This was obviously due to them not doing data input and proper checks they needed to at their end. Out of 80 invoices, not one single one had been unpaid due to any issue at our end. I could have been nice and helpful. I could have pulled off just the information they required. But instead, I chose petty revenge. I asked my finance officer to pull off remittances for all invoices from them since April 1st, 2022. Talking 600 plus list. Bear in mind it doesn't list in invoice number order. Dear corporate, please be advised that of the 80 invoices you've demanded payment for, around 59 have been received and already paid. Around 5 are not invoices intended for our company. 11 are ones we've returned for corrections and not received back. Please check previous emails. 5 are duplicates which have been paid under different invoice numbers. Please ensure all relevant checks are completed before contacting us in the future. We are a small organization and do not have the capacity to investigate invoices we've received, processed, and paid correctly. I attached the 600 plus list of remittances on a PDF so they couldn't copy and sort and sent the email. Now I could have been nice and sent them the document I'd worked on, telling them specifically which invoices had been paid, which ones had been returned for corrections and which ones were not ours. But they don't pay me and I'm not doing their work for them. The pleasure I got from knowing they would have to actually do the same, if not more work than I'd done, searching through the zip file and remittance list, finding the 80 invoices, checking emails, checking for duplicates, well, it was immense and very petty of me. Honestly, even ignoring the amount of work OP had to go through, I think this is as good a response as ever to a company requesting 80 plus invoices be reviewed over something that's clearly their mistake. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 